From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Hello, everybody. This is the Boomer the Babe Show. We are broadcasting from our offices in Sun City, Arizona, not Youngtown. We've got to change that. How many times have you heard me saying that? Well, at any rate, we are broadcasting, and that's important. It's Wednesday, December 19th, 2012. It's 11 o'clock in Sun City, Arizona, 10 o'clock on the West Coast, and 1 o'clock on the East Coast. And we trust that everybody is getting ready for the holidays and having a good time doing it. I certainly hope so at any rate. Uh, I know it can be a time of stress, so we're, we're going to not talk about stress today. Well, maybe we will in some way, shape, or form. But this is the Boomer and the Babe Show without a babe. I Deborah's out working with our, our publishing uh, efforts and uh, authors that are involved in publishing their books via uh, what she does with them. So we're not going to have... Uh, we're not going to have Deborah with us. Maybe I can persuade our guest into being a guest babe today or something along those lines. I've done, I've done that before. Uh, and uh, we encourage also that you go to boomerandthebabe.com, uh, see everything else that we're involved in beyond this radio show, which is, of course, publishing of e-books and mini-books. Uh, sign up for our mailing list, and you will receive in your inbox every four to six weeks our Boomer Experience Speaks online magazine. A lot of the articles in there have been contributed by guests on our show, as well as by people that have their own shows on the Boomer and the Babe Network here on Blog Talk Radio. All that having been said, my self-promotion having been done, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Marcy Warhoft-Nagler, author of Fit vs. Fiction. Marcy, welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. And will you be my guest babe today? Of course, I'd be honored. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. I know we put this together on somewhat short notice uh, through your uh, your PR person, and I thank her as well for for hooking us all up here. Uh, and you've got yourself uh, you've got a book on your hands. And before we get to that uh, and discuss that and discuss everything else you're involved in, uh, why don't you give us what Deborah would call a two minute movie, a little background on uh, who Marcy is and what have you done before your involvement in what you're currently doing, and uh, just by way of telling us uh, uh, some of your history, and uh, I'm sure you started out as a very young child. <laughs> I did, actually. Wow. Um, who who am I? Well, I am um, I'm a mom, and I've got uh, two boys, and I actually I spent many, many years working in the fitness industry. Um, and then uh, became kind of disillusioned with how uh, the fitness industry became more about how our bodies look than how they work. And so that kind of took me into sort of working with people on the difference between how being fit looks and how it actually feels. And um, what happened was I, growing up... um, very young, I developed some negative body image issues and some eating disorder issues, and as a result of that, um, 
when I finally found recovery for that, I found that it was still a big issue for kids as young as five years old struggling with body image stuff all the way up to adults into their 60s and 70s. And I created a program um, going to schools and talking to parents about how to develop positive body image, um, all the while being being a mom to my kids and being uh, very, very sports-oriented. And uh, that's that's pretty much me in a nutshell, I guess. Um, when you talk about uh, being bombarded, I guess is the right word, with uh, body image, uh, mm-hmm. is, is there anything that we watch? And I don't care if it's uh, videos, uh, uh, you know, uh, music videos, television ads, television programs, movies. Is there anything that we watch that somehow, some way, has no bearing on <laughs> body image at all. I, I don't know where it would be. I, that's my feeling. What do you think? I Honestly, I, I, I haven't found it yet. It's funny because it's, it's a great question because, as I said, I struggled with my own issues, and when I finally found recovery for that, I thought, you know what, I, just, I never want to think about body image stuff again. And then I realized that that's possible if I'm not going to open up a magazine or flip on the radio or TV or walk by a poster or in a mall. There's just no way of of avoiding it. Even even commercials, you know, I'll watch TV with my kids, and commercials will come up, and and the messages that we're getting from either either the actual messages in the commercials telling us we're not good enough, we need to fix how we look, our weight, our skin, our hair, whatever, um, or it's just the the images that we see. You know, you look on TV, or you look at every um, bus board or billboard that that you see, or every magazine, and it seems like we live in a one size fits all kind of world. <laughs> Where everyone kind of looks the same, so even if you 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 know it comes to kids, or even if you decide you're not going to bring in a magazine, or you're not going to turn on the TV, go stand in line at a grocery store or a pharmacy, and you've got the magazines right there, and the messages are right on the cover. That you don't even have to buy anything or bring it into your home. The messages are going to seep in, even if you don't realize it. The, I, I'm I'm looking at the notes that I have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, with regard to uh, your thought process and uh, your the things that you get involved with teaching and training, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's one thing here that you that, that you said which I find really hits close to home, uh, and that's keep any and all. F- and we're kind of jumping ahead here, but it it just came to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says keep all fat talk out of the house and away from the kids. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the parents doing it or the grandparents, I'm guilty. Uh, <laughs> nobody should, no should, nobody should be speaking negatively about body image around children. So, mm-hmm. I know, I know that somewhere, somehow, my granddaughters, six and three, have heard mm-hmm. somebody says to me, "How old? How you doing today, Pete?" And I'll go, "You know, not bad for a fat bald guy." <laughs> and, and that's my standard line. But boy, it sounds like I shouldn't be saying that anymore. At least you know not what? There, at least not in their presence. Yeah, you know what? And it's true because it's it's something that I say um, all the time. Also, it's because it's so shocking that we do have little little kids. I mean, I got an email recently from a woman who said her five year old son was crying and he didn't want to go to school because he felt his shirt made him look fat. 
um, this is a little boy. Um, so it is affecting kids really young, and we don't realize that the things that we say just, you know, endearingly, I mean, when you say, um, look at your chubby little cheeks, or look at those chubby legs, or look at that big tummy, and we mean it in fun because we love our babies, and, we, you know, we love the chubbiness, but that's stuff that they internalize. And without even realizing it, because so many of the messages they hear um, are so negative to do with weight and size and fat, like fat's become the new F word, you know, and it's way more offensive than the other F word for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. Um, then we have to be so careful because even though our intention when we say something is harmless or loving, we don't know how it's going to be interpreted. So we really have to be careful. Um, and the whole fat talk thing, you know, you'd be amazed. For so many people, if you say to them, okay, you cannot mention your weight or, or anything to do with diet or calories or fat grams all day, they will struggle. You know, they won't realize it at first how much they're going to struggle, but it's become so much a, a part of our conversation that we don't even realize it. And it's so important that our kids don't hear us speaking negatively about our bodies at all. You know, I ate too much or look at my arms or my stomach's getting bigger. I need to lose weight. You just, you don't want, we don't want to start that with our kids because then they'll start looking at themselves without even, without even us realizing it. We're going to send a message that they have to start uh, looking at what they're eating or they have to start changing the way their bodies look. And, we, and that's something we don't want. Well, there, there's a, there's enough, uh, there are enough, enough problems with, um, with, with people controlling their weight uh, and trying to be, remain healthy and, and fit uh, without adding to it. Um, and, and adding to it, uh, you, you made mention of this in, in one of the uh, notes you gave me with regard to uh, a thing that people you do all the time or say all the time and really can be detrimental is uh, you got to finish eating so you can be a member of the Clean Plate Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, goes yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to say. I mean, I, I, I remember, I remember that being told to me. Uh, you got to, you know. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, eat all, eat all your food. There's people, there's, there's children that are starving in Africa. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. It's such a guilt. It's so much guilt to put on a child. Think about it. Eh? I'm putting so much guilt. But I still hear from parents who do that, and they say, "Well, that's just the way I was brought up, so that's what I pass on." But the thing about that. Um, and it's funny because my husband used to do that with my kids too. Just have one more bite, have one more bite. And I'd be like, uh-uh. And the reason for that is you really want uh, kids to understand their own intuition, the, the the messages that their bodies are giving them. The reason why so many people are overweight is because we eat when we're not even hungry. Right? We're eating for so many reasons. Maybe we're stressed, maybe it's emotional, maybe we're bored. But there's so many other reasons why people eat than just when they're hungry. So the last thing we want to do is turn off those messages that their bodies are telling them. So we want them to know when they're hungry, and we want them to know when they're full. So if they say, I'm done, even if it seems to us like maybe they should have more, you have to say, are you done? Did you have enough? And if they've had enough, then they've had enough. And that's a great thing for them to learn so that that they won't shut off the cues. Because what ends up happening is your body sends you signals. And then if you start ignoring them, and this is what happens with people who end up with eating disorders, for example. If you start, if you stop listening and you ignore them, then eventually your body stops sending the messages because they're not, well, if you're not going to listen, then I'm not going to tell you what to do anymore. And so then you have absolutely no idea when you're supposed to eat and when you're supposed to stop. So we really have to trust our kids and teach them how to trust their own bodies so that they know when the proper way is to eat and also what they're hungry for. Well, I, I, I... 
I do agree with what you're saying. My my daughter, who is probably closer to, to your age uh, than uh, uh, than I am, certainly, uh, she has two daughters. Two, I have two. We have two granddaughters, six and three, and we had them over here the other day because they came over to help Grandma and Grandpa to trim the tree, trim the Christmas tree, and we had pizza for lunch, and. Uh, one of them didn't want to eat her pizza. And my daughter said, okay. It's Basically, she said, it's there if you want it. You can come back and have it later. And that was pretty mm-hmm. much the end of it. Now, the child didn't eat it, and it sat there in the counter. It got good and cold, but mm-hmm. she came back later, and she took a, took a few more bites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she did, yeah. And so, so but what I'm saying is I'm seeing my daughter do something that I certainly didn't do with her. I don't wow. think. Uh, and that is, she is, um, uh, when they say they're hungry, I can give you an apple, or I can give you slices of an apple, I can give you some orange, I can give you, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, they don't have, as a general rule, uh, and if they have a, a ice cream with M&Ms on the top of it or something like that, that's a treat. There's a special reason for that. That's, that's Although not- I... I, I- Sorry, I just have to say that um, I also think, though, we have to be careful with the whole treat thing um, because uh, for me, and this is just my opinion and the way I work, is that I try not to put things in the category of good food and bad food. To me, it's just food. It's not so much what we eat, it's how we eat it. So uh-huh. so it's it's okay that um, they have like the, the less healthy, let's say, foods, the more treat foods. Again, you don't want to give them all the time, and it's great that you're doing more of the fruits and the vegetables and the healthy stuff. But you don't want to make it so that it's such a treat to have the other stuff, so that it becomes sort of this taboo thing or this, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's what we do in our society too, right? It's like what do we do when we celebrate something? We're happy about it. We celebrate with food. And if it's something that's a sad event, we give food. Like food seems to be the thing that we go to all the time. Um, but you, it's... What I've seen, too, is that you'll have a lot of kids who aren't allowed, let's say, the treat food at home, and then they go to a friend's house who does have it, and they just go crazy on it because it's something that's so kept you know, secret and, and sort of this is for really, really great occasions that they just think about it too much, whereas if you kind of have it there, um, you know, not regular basis, let's say, but something where it's not so glorified kind of thing, um, or demonized, then it really becomes, again, the same thing of, um, like, for example, when my kids come home from school, I have two boys, 14 and 11, and they come in and sometimes they want cookies, sometimes they want cucumbers, sometimes they don't want anything. And that's good because they're thinking, am I hungry, first of all? If I'm not, I'm not. And what am I hungry for? Um, so they're really listening to themselves, whereas a lot of kids, after school, it's treat time because that's when they get their treat, and they know they'll have it after school, and then they don't have it again. So even if they're not hungry for it, that's what they're going to do. They're going to have that because it's the only time they get it, you know. So it's a really, it's a tough, it's a tough kind of line you gotta, you gotta walk with. How do we bring in different kinds of foods? And I just think always have the healthy stuff available, and have the other stuff around too, so that it doesn't really call at them um, all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and I think maybe I gave a bit of the wrong impression when I say uh, treats and special occasions. I mean, they they do have things for treats and special occasions. But when they come home from school, there is a variety there right. for, yeah. for, them, for them to choose from. Now, uh, she tries to keep that variety 
uh, in the healthy category rather than the unhealthy category. But they're still looking at it as something that they can look forward to and something they enjoy when they get back because uh, although they have been on play dates at other friends' houses and stuff like that, and and I'm sure there's some things going on, but they're (laughs) – the the vast majority of those young mothers i do believe are all in the same category they all go do crossfit together and so right. and so, and so you know they do the whole thing mm-hmm. uh you know they're they're crossfit enthusiasts they're runners and the, the kids get exercise and the kids play soccer and the soccer mom thing and all that phenomena that i don't know right. anymore but uh but but the point is uh, when they when they have the snack when they have the treat it's a healthy treat or snack for the most part, um, which is which is very very good because when I have when I'm getting ready to buy them some little gifts and I says well I, I saw my daughter the other day I says well I'll tell you what I'm thinking about doing I'm thinking about getting some nice decorator bags just as an extra gift from grandma and grandpa and we're going to put the two for a dollar Cheetos and we're going to put the two for a dollar <laughs> chips and we're going to put a bag small bag of M&M's pain and a bag of M&M's peanuts into this bag. Is that okay? <laughs> and she says, oh, yeah. She, she says, yeah, that's okay. They still get those things, that, but they don't get them willy-nilly. For sure. So, you know. And you're the grandparents. Different rules. Oh, well, that's what they tell me. <laughs> uh, that's what they tell me. But, I mean, I, but but let, let's get back to this kind of area that we were just kind of hinting mm-hmm. at here is with regard to grandparents. Grandparents can play a pretty interesting role in all this, can't they? Yes, they can. They can play a, a huge role um, in, in body image in general for their kids. Um, I mean, one thing, the, the, the biggest thing that grandparents need to, to offer, and, and I think most of you do, is unconventional love. You know, um, I remember I, I talk about it in my book, this woman shared with me that she, she's an adult now in her 40s, but she remembers being really young, like maybe eight or nine years old, and uh, going to spend a weekend with her grandparents. And she remembers going to bed and hearing her grandparents talking and, and hearing her grandfather say, you know, Susie's getting a little chubby. I think she has to worry. You know, she start watching her weight. And her grandmother said, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, they never knew that she overheard, but to this day it still was so traumatizing for her because, you know, these are people that are supposed to love her unconditionally and she felt somewhat judged. Um, so with, with grandparents, I mean, the the best thing you can do um, is to just offer your time um, because I find that when you spend, and this is for parents and grandparents, and you know, when you're spending time with your grandchildren and you're listening to them and you're, you, know, you find out what they like to do and what they're interested in and you're supporting them and their hobbies, what you're doing without even saying it is you're telling them you are worth spending time with. You are worth getting to know. And by, by you making them feel that way, then they feel I'm worth something. I'm important. I'm necessary. Um, I'm special. And that goes a really long way when you've got sources that, that don't know them, outside influences, telling them who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to look like. When they're getting that information from people who love them, that's huge. You know, and that's the same thing kind of goes the other way is that, you know, we have to, like we were talking about earlier, be careful that the messages that we send are always positive always positive. And if there is any concern, I mean, if as a grandparent you are concerned for whatever reason about the health of, of your grandchild, then you that's your job to go to your kids, you know, go to their parents and discuss it, not discuss it directly with with the kids. Do you think that uh, you, hear, you hear so much talk about bullying and all that, 
which I think is a phenomenal a phenomenon that's going on mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the phenomenon is the bullying or the fact that it's out in the open and being talked about so much mm-hmm. as regards well, it regards as regards everything, regard as regards lifestyle, as regards uh, body images, mm-hmm. and, I mean anything and everything. There can be any any number of reasons for uh, a, a young person to be bullied. Now, right. do do you think that, um, or I should say, how much of it do you think is based on body image? Do you have any concept of that? Uh you know, the, the, here's the thing. It, it's interesting because I think a lot of times that is the go-to, you know, and I was talking with someone recently who said that too. It's like it doesn't matter, you know, what the beef is that you have with the person. It seems to be an easy thing to do is to attack how a person looks. Um, that's the easiest thing, and that's the one that cuts the deepest for some reason. I mean, you can have somebody say to a kid or an adult really to say, you're so stupid, and really most of the time that's just going to go over their head. They're not really going to care. But you say to them, you're fat or you're ugly, and that's going to sting. And that happens really at, at any age, you know. Um, but that is something that, that really cuts quite deep. And that, I, hear that from, I hear that from kids, really little kids, up to kids in their teens. I mean, I had, I had a mother tell me that uh, at her daughter's school, she was in grade two, and uh, there were kids in the, in the schoolyard who had started the size one club. And so what the rule was, you could only be part of the club if your clothes had a size one in it nothing higher. Um, and that's a little, little kid. And already there's this <laughs> this focus on size. You're not good enough to be friends with us if your size is bigger than what we deem acceptable. All the way up to teenagers who uh, I heard from a boy who's 17 who told me that uh, there was a, a boy in his school a couple of years ago who committed suicide over being picked on because his muscles weren't big enough. Um, the The bigger guys uh, in the school had teased him for being too wimpy looking or not having big enough bicep muscles, and he couldn't take it anymore. So it it is something that is um, prevalent, unfortunately. Like that, and again, doesn't matter boy, girl, doesn't matter elementary school through high school. Uh, it's definitely rampant, unfortunately. What can, what do you think can be done about it? Uh, you know what, a, a lot of. Uh, Education. Um, that's what I do with my fit versus fiction workshops, for example. When I go in, and I a lot of it is it's personal stories and it's images and pictures I show, where we're talking about where you know why do we think uh, fit bodies look only a certain way? Why do we think beauty comes in a small you know, one kind of package? Who is giving us this information, and how are we so manipulated by the media, uh, for example, and by marketers? So um, I think it's important that kids learn that fit bodies come in all shapes and sizes and that people come in all shapes and sizes. And um, one of the things that I, that I tell parents to do, a really easy thing to do, is take your kid to a mall on a very busy day, for example, and just sit down, you know, have a, have a drink together and look, just look at people. Just look at the different sizes of people walking by. Because when you're so used to seeing one kind of person on TV, for example, then you kind of forget that that's, a, that's an anomaly. Like most people don't look like that. And then when you look at just regular people, you know, go to a beach, you're going to see all sorts of different sizes. And you realize, oh, you know what? Like, we, we all, we're all uh, important and we all should, should, you know, are deserving of, of respect from ourselves and other people regardless of how we look. And we all look different. We're the same and we're different, you know. But it's a good thing to do. And it is, it's a lot on, on education and on, you know, we're teaching about bullying, but we need to get more 
specific, you know, and, and you need to teach kids that they can't look at the person next to them on the right and on their left and say, hmm, why don't I look like them? Is there something wrong with me? No, you don't look like them because you're not them. You know, look at your family tree. Um, you know, a lot of things play into why our bodies look the way they do. But uh, but I do think that we need to to become more sensitive to it and understand it more, understand what our bodies are supposed to do. Because I say all the time, uh, the best bodies are the healthiest bodies. And we need to focus more on how our bodies work than how they look. Well, it's amazing because uh, I'm going to get back to this, the, the images that you see all around you. And I, as I'm looking mm-hmm. around and I see all these images and what television I do watch, I look at these people and I go, you know what, there's nobody on these shows that looks like me. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is nobody. I mean, well, I take that back now. There is one person on one show that looks like me, and it's and, and here we go to fat and bald. But it's a gangster. It's the gangster. It's the gangster guy uh, on the new show Vegas. Uh, the bald-headed, heavy-set fellow that is a is a corrupt casino owner in old That's Las funny. Vegas. <laughs> that looks like me. That's, <laughs> That's, the, That's the only guy that's out there that looks like me. A dumpy bald guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's like you know what's crazy though. I mean, this is this is a funny thing too, and this is what I I talk to the kids about, and I talk about it in my book. What's amazing is you have a lot of TV shows where the ages are so bizarre. You've got uh, there was there's some teen shows or tween shows. There was one specifically a couple of years ago. It was 90210, and they had uh, a, a boy on there who was playing like an 18 year old, but he was actually 30 years old when he was playing mm-hmm. this character, mm-hmm. which is why I get. Little, little boys say to me, why don't I have six-pack abs, you know, at, at 10 years old? Thinking, you know, they see, these, they see kids that are supposed to be 15, 16, 17 years old played by people who are actually adults, and they compare their bodies. The flip side of that for us adults is then you look at the people who are playing their parents, and you've got someone who's 35 years old playing the role of a parent of an 18-year-old, but the person's actually, you know, 30 years old. So we, we don't know what a real 16-year-old is supposed to look like, and we don't know what a real you know, 45-year-old is supposed to look like because it seems like everything is played by someone who's, like, between 20 and 30 years old. So that's the problem. But we don't see. As adults, whenever you see somebody who's supposed to be 45, well, they're really 30. Or 55, well, they're really 40. So we have no concept of what real people at real ages really look like. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's very interesting. And, I, and also I think it's uh, what just came to mind as you were saying that was uh, – this character that I was just mentioning to you on that television show, mm-hmm. uh, a, a bald-headed, uh, somewhat overweight guy, and he is playing the role of a rather despicable, a rather right. despicable person, and mm-hmm. that sets up something else again. Uh, that people of a certain uh, hairstyle, body type, whatever, are mm-hmm. more more likely to be despicable than others because, right. uh, after all, that's that's the stereotype. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and it goes it goes across the board as far as nationalities, race, mm-hmm. everything, everything, and it's it, there's got to be a way. Uh, that uh, it can it can be uh, that can be negated that that can be beaten back because it just it just does not it just not hold true in in real life so uh, I commend you for what you're doing with your uh, with your class and and okay. your your teachings because I think I think you're somehow on the right track there I think that's really cool. 
Um, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the, the holidays because here we mm-hmm. are, like it or not, here we are again, uh, eating eating too many of the wrong things. Uh, although we all like to, we all like them, we all enjoy them. And as mm-hmm. Deborah sometimes says, we're sitting here around the table. And we're enjoying all the great t- tastes and, and wonderful sensations, and we're eating for taste because Lord knows we don't need any more of it in our right. body. We, we <laughs> are we are the Christmas goose. We are stuffed. Right. Uh, yeah. So um, the holidays causes stress. A lot of people eat for stress. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, why is stressing weight gain uh, actually stressing over holiday weight gain actually work against you? You know what the problem is? I think, um, like I, I'm hearing from from people already before they've even started stressing about losing weight that they haven't even gained yet. You know, and it's it, the problem is we set ourselves up. So um, instead of kind of looking forward to it and enjoying it and remembering really what it's about, because surprise, surprise, it's not really about the food. It's about being with family or friends uh, and celebrating that. But somehow the food kind of takes over. Um, and it's tough, though, because this is a time when we really get so many mixed messages. You, you open up a magazine, and one page will have this amazing recipe for something delicious, and the next page will say how to lose five pounds. And the page after that is recipe for cookies, and the next page is, you know, how to lose ten pounds. So we're really, there's so many mixed messages going on now, but we get stressed out. And so what happens is we decide either it goes two ways. Either it's, okay, well, it's the holidays, so I'm going to just enjoy myself and eat whatever I want and worry about it later, or it's, I'm not going to do it this year. I'm not going to gain weight, so I'm not going to eat. You know, I'm going to set up this really restrictive plan so that I won't gain any weight. And both are setting yourself up for disaster. Because to go into it and say, you know, I'm going to have whatever I want and worry about it later, you're actually going to start worrying about it now. Um, And it's like you said, though, you know, you get to a point where you're so full, you're eating for taste. But I don't even think it's taste anymore. Because, you know, the first few of whatever you're having taste really good. After that, you don't really even taste it anymore. You just kind of keep going because it's in front of you and because it looks really good. Um, So, I mean, a a tip for that is to go into the situation that you're going into. Don't go into it starving. Some people say, well, I just won't eat, so I'll save up my calories for dinner. And you don't want to do that because then you absolutely end up overeating. So you go in having had your, your breakfast or your lunch, and you go into it and look at what's there before you start. And look at what do I really, really want? Because some of the stuff, you know, it looks good, but it's stuff that you can have any time of year. Like go for the stuff that's special, that you really, really like. And enjoy, really enjoy what you're eating. And then stop when you're satiated because you don't need 17 of something to have had enough. And then you're going to walk away feeling like, okay, I've, I've totally enjoyed and had what I wanted, but I don't feel, you know, physically ill from it and I don't feel stressed out about it. Um, and you don't want to go in overly restricting because that's what's going to happen is you're going to look at this food that everybody's eating and you're going to want it and you're going to want it and you're not going to have it and then you're just going to break and you're going to end up having instead of having the four cookies you would have had you're going to have the entire you know plate of cookies that you were trying to avoid um and then you're just going to feel lousy about yourself you don't want to go out of the holidays feeling uh more depressed you know you want to walk out of it feeling i enjoyed my friends my family the food and now i'm moving on so that's how stress can really play a, a negative role is by having it change the way that you're eating. You want to just eat in the same way. Yes, you're going to eat a little more, but that's okay. Your body goes back. As soon as you, after the holidays, 
when you go back to eating regularly and you, you make sure you're active, it doesn't have to be crazy active, but you get some physical activity in your day every day, your body knows where it wants to be, where it's comfortable, and it will go back there. Uh, you, the worst thing to do is just overly diet because then you're going to mess with your metabolism and you're going to set, up, set yourself up for yo-yo dieting, which is, you know, pretty popular. Uh, it, it seems as though everything that uh, we do uh, in today's society uh, with regard to social interaction with folks also somehow will involve food or drink. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and and that becomes uh, well, it becomes dangerous, frankly, as far as overdoing uh-huh. it. I mean, not only from consuming things like too much alcohol, but I mean uh-huh. uh, that in and of itself, or uh, too many crackers with with cheese and salami on them, or whatever you know, uh-huh. whatever whatever uh-huh. the or, whatever the hors d'oeuvre is. I mean, you could sit there and have a couple of drinks and fill up on our hors d'oeuvres. Uh, through an hour and a half, two hours of conversation with friends and, and family, and then all of a sudden the table's set, and you go and you eat the turkey <laughs> and the prime rib and the mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and the carrots and the beans and the mm-hmm. and the and the and the and the, and the stuffing and everything else. Mm-hmm. And now you've really you've really hammered yourself, haven't you? But you know the other thing too is I find that we're such a um, we're so afraid of offending people too. Like when somebody makes a, a big dinner, you almost feel like you're being rude if you don't have everything, you know, right. or, or desserts and somebody, but, you know, you feel like you're being rude if if you say no thank you, you know, and we have to get over that. And there are some hosts that are like that, though, that will say, really, no, please have, I made and I cook. And you have to, and that's usually they have their own issues that they're kind of dealing with. But we have to learn that it's okay to, to say, no, thank you, I, I'm good, I'm full, I've had enough. But that's something that a lot of us struggle with. Well, it's amazing because, I mean, you have the apple pie and then you also have the cherry uh, and then the, the pumpkin and <laughs> and the whatever yeah. else. And before you've had all, you know you had a full slice of every one of them, whereas in reality, if you want to have a taste of each one, you could have a very little sliver, of, a little sliver of each, uh, not offend the host and mm-hmm. uh and satiate yourself with regard to the fact that I got to eat everything and exactly. and before you know it you may not even have eaten as much uh as you would have if you only had one piece of pie because you're yes. so concentrating on having little morsels. Yeah, that's right. Because you don't you don't want to uh deprive yourself. For sure not. And you know what, life's too short to go without cherry pie. So you don't want to you don't want to deprive yourself. It's like you said for sure. Either have one good piece of one kind, or take little slivers of another. But what happens is a lot of times, like I was saying before, we say, okay, you know what, I'm not going to have the pie. I'm going to have an apple. But then that that doesn't satiate you. So okay, well now I'm going to have. You, you go through all these different things that seem healthier, but you're constantly eating around what you really want. And then you look, and you've already chances are you're going to end up eating that pie anyway. So now you've had the pie and all the other things you ate trying to not have the pie. Or you'll just eat a whole bunch of stuff you don't really want. You won't feel satisfied, but you've had more fat and calories anyway from trying to avoid the food that you wanted in the first place. That's right. So you right. can't overthink it. You know, it's 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 food is to be enjoyed. You know, yes, it's to nourish our bodies. And sometimes, especially during the holidays, we're going to eat foods that the, the only saving grace is that they taste really good, and that's okay. Um, but we all know if you overdo it on that, we won't feel great afterwards. So you want to try your best to. Indulge a little bit. Again, it is the holidays. Um, enjoy. But there's indulging and then there's overindulging. And we just have to be kind of vigilant about that without being obsessed about it. 
Exactly. Well, Marcy, I want to take a little quick break here. We've got some uh, commercial messages that we play about halfway through, and so mm-hmm. let me do that, and we'll come right back and continue our conversation. Great. Okay. Boomer the Babe are the publishers of Boomer Series Books. Our authors have their own shows on the Boomer the Babe Network. We encourage you to listen. Ron Naraki, author of the forthcoming book, The Ten Commandments of Investing, is the host of Wealth DNA, a financial show about real estate investment. Learn how to build and manage your portfolio. Ron hosts the show, and he always has good information to pass along, as do his guests. Listen to Wealth DNA on the second and fourth Monday of the month at 8 a.m. Arizona time. Tom Liggering's another Boomer Series author. His book, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours, is the basis of the show he does with his broadcast partner, Dr. Terry Munther. Listen to Success or Failure with Tom and Terry on the fourth Wednesday of every month at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Learn how you can maximize your performance in business and in life. The methods you employ can either help or hinder. The choice is yours. Before you book your next round of golf in Arizona, go see what golfers just like you are saying about the courses you want to play at GolfMix.com. While you're there, write a review of the last course you played and get $10 off your next purchase at Vans Golf Shops and enter into our Greenskeeper of the Year contest for a chance to win a foursome at the home of the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the stadium course at TPC Scottsdale. So check out Golf Mix, Arizona's leading golf course review site and mobile app. What are you waiting for? at golfmix.com. The Boomer and the Babe are proud to be affiliated with Valley View Community Food Bank where the food is always free. Valley View is now serving Phoenix from their new 36,000 square foot location at West Peoria and 107th Avenue in Sun City, Arizona. The new location houses the Food Bank, Feeding Arizona, and the Valley View Thrift Store. Feeding Arizona delivers food to other food banks and food pantries that are in need. If you're looking for a 501c3 to support, go to valleyviewcommunityfoodbank.com. All donations are welcome, be it food, money, or volunteer hours. No donation is too small. Get a hold of Jesse Ramirez, founder and director, and say, I want to help. Valley View Community Food Bank, where the food is always free. And we are back. We're talking with Marcy Warhaft Nadler, author of Fit versus Fiction. Uh, Actually, let me just correct the. Let me just sorry, just correct. The Fit versus Fiction is my workshop. Workshop. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's okay. The book is the Body Image Survival Guide for Parents, helping Uh, toddlers, tweens, and teens thrive. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I got that one (laughs) incorrect. Okay. Uh, But the fitness versus the fit versus fiction is something that I wanted to. Get into a little bit now in this in sure. this segment, and I, I'm I'm noticing here, uh, you know, we get a lot of people that are on this show, uh, and we have uh, we have uh, certainly have had our share of uh, fitness gurus, uh, mm-hmm. for lack of, for lack of a, uh, a better word, uh, mm-hmm. e- experts in the field, dietitians, so on and so forth, um, and I have never seen. Uh, anybody yet that has on their website at least uh, all of the various uh, accomplishments that you have here mm. with regard to your fitness 
uh, seminars in Toronto, certified personal trainer, fitness consultant for the Best Western Hotels, uh, certified massage therapist, Vancouver and Toronto, director of dance program for Spa Lady in Vancouver, assistant manager of aerobics inst- and aerobics instructor at Super Fitness in Toronto, director of dance programs. Uh, it goes on and on and on. You... Uh, I'm glad you're the guest babe because you really have your stuff <laughs> together. <laughs> I mean, you have been doing a lot in this field for quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. but that's that's the interesting thing is because I mean I, start, I think I started I started teaching uh, in the fitness industry when I was 14. I got my first uh, job teaching um, and my first certification uh, just a few years later. Um, and so this was this has been my thing for for so long. Uh, and so that was what. What happened a few years ago when I became disillusioned with the whole fitness industry is because I really did think it became more aesthetic um, than mechanic. You know, we really started looking at uh, it doesn't really matter how fit your body really is. It just matters how fit it looks to other people. And I had a real, real issue with that because, again, I had struggled with um, my body image for so long, um, which really isn't uncommon in the fitness industry, to be honest. Um, And so... That's why I created fit versus fiction. It's what's the truth. And that's something I ask kids all the time when I first walk into a class. I'll say, when I say the word fit, what do you think of? And oftentimes I'll hear six-pack abs, big bicep muscles, flat stomach. Uh, And I'll say, well, you think that because we live in a very visual society when really when you think about what's fit, well, fitness means how strong our muscles are, uh, our coordination, our flexibility, our cardiovascular strength, uh, endurance. These are things that are really measure how fit we are. And that, those, those things can come in bodies that are so many different shapes and sizes. And that's something that, that's really lost um, in our society these days. And, and it's funny because you talk about all the, all the weight loss gurus and the diet and fitness gurus out there. It's funny because we know that obesity is an issue these days. But when you think about it, there really isn't a lack of people telling us what to do. Right, it's not because there aren't enough people telling us how to eat and what to eat and what not to eat and how to exercise. Um, so it's not that we don't have enough information; it's just that the information isn't really the right information. I mean, you look at the, the diet industry, and it's a forty billion dollar industry um, because it's kind of set us up in a way where it goes against what diets don't work because they go they tell us to, to work against our body, and we have to start working with our bodies. Um, exercise should be something that we do that's a positive thing we do because we like our bodies, not a negative thing we do because we hate our bodies. Well, uh, I, I think you, it couldn't be said any better than that. And, and when I start thinking about, and, and I have on, on occasion been a member of a health club, uh, whether it's an L.A. fitness or Whatever it's been over the years, I mean, I probably tried it three different times. They all have a special. They all they all have a. Right. They all they all have a something that's uh, uh, you know enticing you to stay, enticing you to join. Uh, mm-hmm. Unbelievable! And then you walk in, and you're obviously out of shape, out of uh, overweight, possibly whatever the case might be, and right. and they give you your own personal trainer. And your own personal trainer is one of the best-looking, hottest people you've ever seen in your life. And you're saying, how the hell am I ever going to get to that? I mean, it it is discouraging. I mean, when I, I – they had this young, I mean, absolutely gorgeous 
woman uh, said, well, she's going to help you. And I said, well, first of all, I'm not going to look like her. Second of, all, <laughs> second, second of all, second of all, when I get done with whatever it is, I still won't be looking good enough to ever have her. <laughs> so well, this is this is just uh, all 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 uh, fluff and puff. Yeah, I mean it, it's um, it's interesting because I was funny because I was just talking to a trainer recently who just started off just started on the business, and she was saying that she's actually not traditionally what you would picture, let's say, a fitness trainer to be. She was in good shape, but she wasn't, you know, super lean and, you know, muscles cut and defined. Um, And she said that part of her feels like maybe she's not putting out the right image. Because just like you said, you know, you walk in and you think that everyone wants to have a trainer who looks the way that they want to look in the end. But the other part of her knows that there is something comforting with being able to say to a client, this is healthy. This is fit. This is my body and how it's fit. And now we're going to get your body to be as fit as it can be. And that's really what the trainer should be doing, is the trainer should be saying, this is me, but I'm not you and you're not me, and let's find what the healthiest place is for your body to go and set up realistic expectations because if if a person goes into a gym and they have a, an image that they want to look like and it's something that's just not possible, then they are always going to be disappointed and that's going to keep them from staying with any kind of fitness program. But if they go in and they say, this is my age, this is my background, this is my you know, my health situation, what can I do to be the strongest, the fittest, you know, the most energetic person that I can be? And you have a plan that is directed and and created for you, then then you know, okay, then this is what I can expect and I'm gonna feel great. And when you feel great and you're doing all the right things, your body is going to change. It can't not change. But it'll change in a way that makes sense for your body. Um, then it's something that you're going to want to stick with long-term because we should looking, be looking at long-term results and, and fitness and health over short-term weight loss. Yeah, it's, it, it really is the case that there are different body types. Absolutely. And, and, and there, is, there is no way that a person that is six foot seven mm-hmm. is ever going to change his body or her body type so that she's going to be as petite mm-hmm. as somebody that's five foot two. And right. uh, that's not going to happen. And for those very reasons, uh, people have to take that into consideration. There are mm-hmm. big bone. There are big boned people. There are small boned people. There are people with broad shoulders and broad hips, and there are people with narrow shoulders, narrow hips, or narrow shoulders and broad hips, or whatever the case might right. be. And hey. all, all these different body types uh, reflect on what you look like at your fittest. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, what we have to focus on is being the best us that we can be. And that doesn't mean perfect. You can't be perfect. Nobody's perfect, and perfect's boring anyway. Um, but you want to be just the the, the best version of you that you can be. To try and look like somebody else is a huge waste of time. It's a huge waste of energy. So we just have to concern ourselves with being, you know, with doing everything that we can do to be kind to our bodies. Because if we're kind to our bodies, our bodies are kind to us back. Um, but to stop trying to live up to some you know, completely unrealistic expectations because we'll be let down all the time. And, it, and it's, it's silly because regardless of, you know, who we are and, and 
what we look like. It's like I said earlier, we're, we're no less deserving of, of respect from ourselves or other people if we're five pounds under where we want to be or over where we want to be or exactly where we want to be. Um, so we have to just kind of start learning how to uh, appreciate ourselves and our bodies for what they can do. Well, another thing I think people have to realize uh, at any age, and, and we have to instill this probably in our children and grandchildren mm-hmm. as well, and that is that as you age, your body changes. Oh, yep. And, and um, what is peak performance and peak fitness at age 16 will be different at age 25, 35, 45, 55, right. and so and you can expect to change, and you can work within the change, and there's no way, for, and I'll use as an example, although he did steroids and all the rest of that, I know. But, mm-hmm. uh, you, when when Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the heyday of Mr. Universe or whatever the heck mm-hmm. was, uh, mm-hmm. his, his body changed, and he doesn't look like that anymore. You see, yep. picture, you see pictures yeah. of him in a bathing suit on the beach. That's right. <laughs> I see that Certainly changed, hasn't he? Yes. yes. So that happens, funny, to all, that happens to all of it, us. It does, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it's so true. And, and what I find interesting is um, it's a very similar thing that we go through when we get older as when kids are going through puberty. And I see the same stress from kids who are 9, 10, 11, 12 going through puberty and kind of being confused with the way their bodies are changing and not being – um, aware that, I mean, they learn about puberty in school, but they don't really, they aren't prepared that they're going to gain some weight and that it's a natural thing and it's a healthy thing and it's a good thing and it's transitional. But I get the same thing. I mean, I have women in their 60s and 70s who will uh, email me or call me. I have one woman at the gym uh, who comes to me quite regularly um, in her late 50s and is having a hard time with the changes that are going, that she's going through now through menopause. Um, and it, it's, She'll say, well, my, you know, I never found it difficult to lose weight before, or I'm carrying weight in a different way than I used to. And, and the thing is, you can't fight it, and we shouldn't, because, again, our bodies are supposed to do, they, they go through a cycle, and it's okay, and it's, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just a different thing, and I think we have to honor that process. Um, and like you just said, you've got to work within it, and, and it's expectation. And it's, you know, my body won't be the same in my 40s. It's not the same in my 40s as it was even a few years ago in my 30s. And I'm not going to uh, pine for those days. You know, I always say, I always say I'm not the same person uh, emotionally, psychologically uh, that I was in my 20s that I am now. So how, why would I expect to be the same physically? You know, our bodies are going to change. We're going to evolve. And that's okay. I mean, you know, getting older, the, the truth is, and, and it's what I believe and it's what I've seen with people around me, um, is that getting older is a privilege that not everybody has, right? So True. we kind of have to, yeah, in, enjoy that and, and be appreciative and know, yes, my body is not the same, but I'm not the same. I mean, our, I, I use this example sometimes, and I say it's kind of like when I would drop my kids off at daycare when they were really little. And I'd go to pick them up, and, and the teacher would say, you know, I'm sorry, but they were playing outside, and they got they got some dirt on them, and they got some, some paint on their shirt. And I'd say, good. If I pick up my kids from school, and their clothes are pristine, and there isn't a hair in a place, and I think, what have they done? You know, have they, have they played at all? And that's the same with our bodies as we get older. There's going to be some wear and tear if we're living, you know. And we've got to know that... that as we get older, our bodies are going to show signs that we've lived and we've experienced. And instead of being kind of ashamed of that or, or you know, just being negative about it, we have to embrace it and go, look, I've got a lot of life in this body. And, and instead of saying, I don't like my body for what it's doing, you kind of go, 
I like my body because it's taken me to this place. And now you're just going to do what you can to keep it stronger. But we've got to kind of lose the message. Because it's like we said also, what we're seeing on TV and through Hollywood, you know, a 60-, 70-year-old woman in Hollywood is not, is, you know, is not realistic. You look at people who sell moisturizing cream in magazines, you know, and you've got the model saying, look, I don't have a wrinkle. And you're like, no, because you're, you know, 20. You're not going to have a wrinkle. So we yeah, have and- to really... You know, it's the best, right? And it, and if you are one of those 50- or 60-year-old actresses that doesn't have a wrinkle, it's because they were really good with the airbrush. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. There you go. So I just walk around and I say, you know what, there's a lot of miles on this body and it's still there working. There you go. And, it, and it's exactly. still working. And it's still working. That's exactly it. Exactly. I, I drive an old car. I drive an old body. <laughs> and it gets you where you need to go, right? Yeah, so far, <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't sprung a big leak yet. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, what, a couple of more things that I wanted to touch base on while we still have some some time here, um, Marcy. Is I I'm of the opinion, as I've heard many other people say, and uh, I don't always uh, I don't always do it, but I think it's correct. And as regards all ex- aspects of fitness and exercise, uh, eating and everything, isn't isn't it a case where uh, everything is probably okay in moderation? That's how I feel. That's absolutely how I feel. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's all it's all balanced uh, because anything that you do to an extreme, whether it's too much or it's too little, you can sustain it. And to have a really sort of fit body or a healthy body, you want something that's sustainable. You want something you can do long term. So I, you know, we can't we can't be afraid of uh, you know. Again, so not really indulging, but in having the foods that we want, or uh, even you know missing a workout here and there, we have to listen to our bodies. And uh, rest is an important part of a workout, believe it or not. You know, as much as it is to to get out there and and, and work out, you got to rest also. And listen to your body. You feed your body with the healthy food. You feed your body with the foods that taste good. Uh, but as long as it's in balance, then yeah, I, I'm a big big believer in in moderation because anything too extreme, like I said, either too little. Or too much is not sustainable, and that's not what we're looking for. You want a lifestyle that you can keep up with. Right. We've already discussed uh, the the role that grandparents can play with their grandchildren as far as helping them with their self esteem and 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 positive reinforcement and and so on and so forth. But the grandparents themselves, me as an example, mm-hmm. um, is it ever just too late for me to get started doing something? Never. Absolutely never. Um, and that's the thing, though. You, the thing is, you don't have to, you know, don't don't put on the TV and watch uh, watch any of those weight loss programs that have you jumping on a treadmill for three hours. Uh, being fit could be anything, and I think the important thing is to find something you like to do. Just find something you like to do, whether it's uh, something in a group, join a walking club, or if it's just walking, at, you know, after dinner, changing your routine, and I'm going to go for walks after dinner, or I'm going to... Um, uh, it could be anything. It could be a sport. It could be something you do with just a friend. Again, something you do in a group, something you do on your own. But it has to be something that you enjoy doing. If it's uh, taking up uh, ballroom dancing classes or if it's uh, whatever. But it's, it doesn't have to be necessarily going into a gym. Some people like that because it's with uh, a group atmosphere. And if you do classes, let's say, there are people there who know when you're not there. So it kind of gives you the incentive to go. Um 
being active with a buddy again you have somebody that you're that's waiting for you that's expecting you to go so it's it's easier but it has to be something that you like don't you know what, what nobody should do is to sort of say okay so i'm going to start running on a treadmill every day for an hour even though i hate it because you won't keep it up but it's it's absolutely never too late i mean as long as you're we're here and we're kicking then we could be moving and that's all it is it's just you just want to move a body in motion stays in motion right you just feel better when you're doing something. I mean, that's that's the key. We our bodies feel better when they're active, but the key is well, to find something that you enjoy, and then you're going to stick with it. Well, Marcy, I uh, what I what I like to do is I enjoy playing golf, and I yeah. and I move my body on the golf course. I move it out of mm-hmm. the golf cart and mm-hmm. onto the fairway to hit the ball, and then I move it mm-hmm. back into the golf cart, and that's my exercise. How's that? Is that working? That's Probably. working. It would work even better. <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have the golf cart. If I didn't have the golf cart. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just park the golf cart further away. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll start there. How's that? How's that? There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Marcy, I tell you, it's been a joy having you here. Uh, Thank you so much. As my guest today, and uh, uh, we always like to have our guests uh, have the opportunity to give your shameless self promotion. So Ooh, this is okay. this is your chance. Go for it, lady. Okay. All right. So um, my book is called The Body Image Survival Guide for Parents, Helping Toddlers, Tweens, and Teens Thrive. And that will be released February 14th um, through Amazon, but you can get it now through my website, which is www.fitversusfiction.com, which is F-I-T-V-S-F-I-C-T-I-O-N. And there's also information on there on my workshops for schools, and I do travel. So um, my last message is my motto, which is self-worth should not be measured in pounds. So we got to remember that. Very good. Self-worth should not be measured in pounds. Yes. I like that. I like that. There you go. Uh, well, that's that's very good. And and if it were measured in pounds, I would be a very wealthy man. <laughs> Self worth is not measured in pounds. Very good. Absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Marcy. I really appreciate the fact that you were able to jump into the breach here today, and you've been a, a lot of fun to talk to and very informational. I love so, being here. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Take care and have a great holiday. Okay, you too. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. And that has been Marcy Warhoff Nadler. Uh she is uh, the one responsible for the Fit versus Fiction program. And you could Google her, find her at Marcy Warhoff Nadler, uh probably on Google and all of the stuff will come up. Her book her book is coming out in February. Find out about that on her website and I think it's she said it's available on our website right now as well. So all that having been said, we hope that you can avail yourself of some of her teachings. She sounds like she really has her stuff together. We appreciate her being with us today. Uh, have a great week, uh, everybody. The balance of the week, a couple more days, and then we're uh, pretty much into the uh, the holiday season. So enjoy yourself. Uh, don't eat too much, but go ahead and eat anyhow because uh, we want to make sure that we can get at least a little taste of everything. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk again real soon. Probably, hopefully, you'll join us tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to the Boop and the Babe Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 